Well, well, all too well, Chandler. So happy to be gathered here with you today on another episode of Pop Apologist. Yes, I don't know how to start the episode differently. Uh, it's all right. You know, something to work on. You're kind of perfect on this podcast. So, you know, it's you got to have some room for growth. Wow. I will say, can we actually just start for a moment? You were recently complimenting my beauty. Recently, as in about 45 seconds ago. Can you just you could do it again for the audience? You look stunning on today's recording. I mean, I'm so used to a little bit disheveled hair. Ragamuffin like vibes. A flustered vibe. Ragamuffin. Yeah, but no, today I'm loving the face framing waved hair. Wow. I'm loving the bold lip. Look really thank good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Once again, just to reiterate, I am on my reminding everyone that I'm hot tour because earlier video <laughs> content from me was pretty bleak. So you are welcome. <laughs> okay, Chan. I'm so happy about today's episode because I feel like it's such a fun conversation with Zach Peter. So in a minute, we're going to cut to our interview with Zach Peter, where we really discuss all things Roni and Beverly Hills. We get into the Roni reunion yep. and then Dreed and PK and Mauricio and Kyle. So it's a really fun episode on all things Bravo. But before we get there, you know, how, how are you doing Chandler? How are you doing in this world? I'm doing great. I, you know, it's just a, another bright morning living in New York City. I, yeah, I'm doing great. I mean, I will say I am experiencing an onslaught of comments about my comments on Bryn's hobbies. I am taking a lot of pleasure in them because I do think it's one of the funniest things to get a lot of internet hate about. I stand by what I said. And Bryn herself actually even clapped back to me. I know. She says we're jealous of her, Chan. She she wants to help me get a library card. Well, I have news for her. I actually have two library cards. I have one in New York City and I have one in Queens because I'm trying to scam Libby so I can have more uh, more ebooks. But thank you for the offer. I would love to hang out with her. And I do adore her while thinking some of her hobbies are a little bit odious. You know, it's funny. I feel like it's interesting to experience the wrath of the internet. Mm-hmm saying things that are relatively innocuous at my point, like oh, teasing yeah. vintage book collecting and playing chess in the park. For me, that is not like the deep crime and, you know, women right. not supporting women tearing each other down. I mean, people are coming for us. People are coming for us. I mean, everyone, if you want to go have a chuckle, you might as well, you know, read through some of the the clapbacks we the were getting TikTok. From, from strangers yeah. online. To, you know, and I left a disclaimer. Lauren and I do not have any hobbies. We have literally zero hobbies. I guess you could call this podcast a hobby, I suppose, but we're actually trying to make it our career. So we, yeah, we really have nothing. We have nothing going on in our lives. Absolutely. And so we are no place to judge, although Chandler does read. So there is that. I definitely read, but I don't brag about it. And I definitely don't make it my personality. So... That's on you, Bryn. <laughs> oh my gosh, shots fired. Okay, <laughs> well, you. you brought something very interesting to my attention. What I would call a very apt post on Reddit about Gary, the Golden Bachelor. Did, did I send it to you? Have I already sent it to you? You did. I would love for you to read it because I think that if we could switch gears a little bit away from internet trolls and hate mm -hmm. to Gary, the Golden Bachelor, because something has been, I think, really not sitting well with us yeah. when it comes to the yep. Golden Bachelor. Yep. And someone on Reddit very graciously summed it up perfectly. So yeah. please, you know, give us a read, Chan. So this comes from a user named Discount Flesh Vessel. <laughs> so the question, does Gary seem overly polished to anyone else? This person gets into their reasoning. He seems like he gets along with any and all of the women, but in the way that a salesman or a therapist can get along with anyone, it feels like he's wearing a charming mask, like he's more aware of the camera than anyone else. But at the same time, his emotions are clearly very genuine. He seemingly only has generic good guys slash romantic traits. I couldn't tell you anything else about this guy. What's his sense of humor? What's his taste in dot, 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 anything? Almost all the conversations mm -hmm. we see are made of sweet nothings and romance novel dialogue. Are they just showing the... or? Are they just not showing the conversations of substance? At first, I figured it was because we were in the early season, but now it's getting weird. We're getting to know all about these women, but we hardly are learning anything new about him. This person says, to be clear, this is more of a question about the editing and production than about Gary himself. I'm sure he's just a regular guy with quirks and traits. I bet this person was getting hate for what I believe to be a very innocuous question. So I saw this post and it totally resonated with how I feel about Gary. 
I think you and I have both had the same conversation where it's like, he seems so one note when he's talking to the woman. And it's such like a, every woman he's talking to, she has his attention. It's very Hallmark Cardi. Yes. His entire demeanor and the way that he connects with each woman, everything seems a little formulaic. Mm -hmm. Um, And like this person said, there's really not much we're getting to sink our teeth into in terms of like, who actually is this guy? Like, how does he really spend his free time? Like, what really is Gary's life like? I almost feel like it's kind of sad, but it's almost like the women are just so thrilled that he's tall and he's like, attractive right and so they don't need to know anything else about him right just like yep hook lines for me we're good for gary works for me yeah so what i will say is that i do think the bachelor is fully it does do this where most of their like leading people whether it's the bachelor or the bachelorette like they do just kind of give them that like lifetime sheen of lots of syrupy language and i feel like that is what they like choose to show and i almost like expect that more from these you know younger people but i feel like gary i'm like you've lived a life like give us something and i the, the part in that post where the person says what's his sense of humor i mean that cut me like a knife i couldn't tell you what gary's sense of humor is like i couldn't mm-hmm. tell you who he actually is and you know lauren does this speak to maybe gary despite all of his genuine comments on camera does it speak to him maybe being kind of insidious or just kind of you know playing (laughs) playing whatever role he needs to play for you know to make the camera smile is gary a sociopath I think there's a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde situation when it comes to Gary from The Bachelor. I think that they're going to go to hometowns and the other shoe is going to drop. Like something fucking weird. Some, is gonna some be things going are going to happen. Yeah. Something's you heard it here going to happen. Like mm-hmm. he's a little bit too good to be true. I think you could be absolutely onto something, Chandler. It's actually honestly a joke. I think that Gary's honestly just kind of a boring one note guy. Yeah. Or it's just the way it's been produced. Like they have such little time right. that they can't really show the conversations that kind of dive into the details of each other's lives. Mm-hmm. Cause they're like, we have 42 minutes to right, get an right. entire week of filming into. We have to show them walking to the carnival, taking a ride, right. you know, doing the rose ceremony, leaving. Like there's such little time. I think it's probably just an editing issue. I think the thing that I'm most interested in is like, once people are that age, they really tend to be so set in their ways. And like, I want to hear conversations of like, oh, I'm ready to move to Indiana. I'm ready to mm. live in his town. I'm ready to leave my, you know, most of the time people that are in their sixties and seventies, they have entire communities. They're like tranched in wherever they are. Mm-hmm. And so I find it interesting that like, really is Teresa going to uproot her East coast life to right. move to his lakeside cabin? I find totally. that to be a little curious. Yeah, I I don't know if I see any of those women looking to shock up with him soon. No offense to people who live in Indiana. I do think that he can't hide the fact that he's horniest for Leslie. And I do think oh, she will win. Could you? Sure. Could you hide it? I mean, could you hide it? Here's what I know. So when Teresa tells him that she's falling in love with him on the Ferris wheel, you know, she says that and he's like, you know, he responds sweetly and he's like, thank you so much. But when Leslie tells that to him, he like, exhales visibly he's just like this relief washes over him he (laughs) embraces her starts kissing her immediately and then he looks at her with a piercing golden gaze chandler and he says you're my girl and he nods you're my girl i mean i think never i know exactly where this is going no oh my gosh i don't i don't think most husbands in america have looked at their wives the way gary has looked at leslie i mean i'm sure looking at leslie that's and i'll just leave it at that (laughs) anyway i thought that was a very apt reddit post anything else we want to get into before we pivot to our interview with zach chan i think we should just tell people that we have taylor swift content coming for you we just want to be fully prepared we want to be able to give her the airtime she deserves you know after giving us this fantastic release so that will be happening on the patreon this week Yes. So the Patreon this week, we're going to get into a little bit of the difference between the re-recordings, but we're going to devote a lot of time to the vault tracks. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Because really, it's just, it's not enough, everyone, to be like, oh, these are really good songs. Like, no. we really need to discuss them. Yeah, yeah. Right. All right. So from the latest news on BravoCon, deep dives into celebrity legal scandals, unfiltered conversations with our favorite stars, and of course, the latest from Vanderpump Land, No Filter by Zach Peter has you covered. You guys, you need to tune in Monday through Thursday on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Zach is so talented and we love No Filter by Zach Peter. And we're so thrilled to have him on the podcast today. Zach, thank thank you you for joining. So you're an expert on all things Bravo, all things reality television. And so it's perfect that you're joining us because we have had a seminal event, a huge happening, which is the Real Housewives of New York reunion part two. And we want to get all of your thoughts on the reunion, on the Roni reboot in general. So first, how did you feel about the reunion? How are you feeling about all the drama that's unfolded? I mean, I'm glad that we're talking a lot more than about more topics than just cheese. Because I, I was like, what, are we, what is this reunion going to be about? Are we really just going to fight about cheese? <laughs> and then to my surprise, we did end up talking about cheese at the reunion. Um, but no, I think... I think it was fine. You know, I mean, it could have been one part. I don't think it needed to be dragged out into two parts. Uba was a little interesting at the reunion overall. I feel like she was just kind of really trying to have a moment. And I'm like, okay, let's, let's tone it down a bit. But I think, you know, Mm -hmm. the reunion was, was solid. I think the reunion was fine. Just like I thought the season itself was fine. I'd give it like a, a B minus. Was it a a knockout? No, I think a lot of people are overhyping it. I think Jenna Lyons is a little overhyped as well, but I mean, it was cute. Yeah, I felt like, so I was watching it and I liked watching the season. I genuinely was thrilled about the reboot. Not initially, not when I heard the news, but when I was actually watching it, I was like, okay, I like a younger, fresher cast for a moment. I like people with better style. I like people with, you know, actually careers going on or, you know, who seem to be kind of in an earlier stage of life. And it was interesting to me, but I think what was crystallized for me, and I'm curious if you guys, if you both felt this way, was how boring the drama actually was and all the conflict because when we were removed from people's homes and their second homes in the Hamptons and when we're just kind of speaking about what's going on, I was like, oh, wait, all of this drama has been completely empty and hollow and not interesting virtually at all. At least that was my reaction. Because these women didn't know each other, right? Like there were no real stakes. There's no, I've known you for 10 years Mm -hmm. and you snubbed me at my first husband's funeral. Like, you know, I think that's what made, it's interesting because I feel like Housewives now compared to Housewives when it started, it's very different. Housewives when we first started is it was supposed to be these older wacky women that had these wild lifestyles that we couldn't find relatable and we weren't supposed to find them relatable. We were supposed to find them interesting and their personalities are wacky and they're fighting, you know, each other to get their kids into private school. That's why it was originally Manhattan moms. So that concept is completely different from this concept. I think this concept matches a bit more of like the real girlfriends in Paris, which I actually enjoyed. I thought it was lighthearted and I also Mm. felt like, you know, because they were younger um, and they were kind of trying to make something happen in their lives. That was a little more compelling. Whereas I feel like in the Roni reboot, it felt like there were a couple of moments that we were trying to force some drama that really didn't need to be there. But we were just trying yeah. to live up to the name of Real Housewives. Right. Mm-hmm. What I want to add is I feel like what was critically missing from this reboot cast was a level of wealth and extravagance that we saw in the you know yeah. the previous the legacy cast. Obviously, you know, these were wealthy women, but I want to see New York City wealth, which is just honestly on another level than just like wealthy women. And then another reason why I felt like this reunion was a little bit of a letdown and maybe just spoke to like, you know, the fact that this cast is just not going to be as good as the previous cast is that so much of the reunion was backpedaling. And I think mm-hmm. this cast is so aware of how they are perceived and none of them, I would say, are actually unapologetic. And that's what makes for good TV is like a Ramona singer yeah. who was who truly unapologetic and like in her behavior. And so, yeah, I think that's what just kind of made the whole thing feel yeah. kind of mid. You know, you have women that have families that they're trying to protect or careers that they're trying to protect. And you have Sonia getting blackout and Dorinda slurring up a storm and Ramona shitting on the floor. <laughs> and it's like these women just did not care, you know, and they still don't care. They were willing to show up right. and, and give us. We had Luann beating up a cop and going to prison and then going to rehab. Like they gave us 
everything. <laughs> Whereas in this one, now we have Jenna Lyons, and Jenna doesn't even want to talk mm-hmm. about the girl that she's dating. You know what I mean? Uba is trying to hide her boyfriend. Right. So right. it's just like there's, you know, I, I understand that we've seen people get burned in reality television. So a lot of people going in now, you know, are just a little more reserved. I would be more of like a Dorinda. I would just get shit based on camera and just live my life and be like, look, this is who I am. And I think we need to find (laughs) more people that are just willing to be like, I don't care if I look like an idiot on camera. You know, I'm signing up to do my job and to create compelling television. And I think those women, though, will go down as more iconic than any of the current Real Housewives of New York cast members. Oh, I mean, absolutely. we need messy women. Like, it needs to be messy. And I just don't know if actually that's possible in this day and age. I really do think that so many yeah. people have been burned by reality TV. Yeah. I mean, look at Scandaval. You know, just, it just spans all of the shows. Is it possible to still find messy women? I don't know. That's something I ask I will God say this about Scandaval, though. <laughs> One thing about Tom is he still showed up. He took his beating. He took it on the chin for this new season. And he's still going. And there's mm-hmm. a little bit of respect you kind of have to give to that. Because it's very easy to run away. Or it's very easy to try to craft your image from there. Or whatever it is. And that's one mm-hmm. thing about the Vanderpump cast. Look at Kristen Doty. She was ruthless and toothless. Like, she was d- did not care her jacks they came they showed up they would take their beatings at the reunions and they would still continue to deliver on the show i almost feel like it kind of goes back to what chandler was saying at the beginning where you know she was saying she really wants to see these crazy levels of wealth i think when it when we were at vanderpump these people had nothing to lose because they had nothing and Mm -hmm. so they didn't care how they were perceived and then on the flip side of that the other side of the spectrum we have like a jill zarin or we have you know a countess luann who are so affluent and they really kind of have fuck you money at that point and that lends them another sense of not Mm -hmm. caring how they're perceived because they don't necessarily need the show to promote their hot sauce, to promote their home renovation business. They're not necessarily in the building phase of their life anymore. And so, yeah, I think that that might have been part of the issue with this cast is the particular phase of life they're in. And also the fact that they're a little, like you said, Chan, a little too self-aware and a little too protective of their images. Zach, you mentioned that you feel like Jenna Alliance is a little overhyped. And I want to hear like more about that. I also want your take because uh, after watching, you know, part one and two of this reunion, Jenna really like took a vow of silence or, you know, like had a, had a full (laughs) mute button on because she barely spoke. And I thought that was interesting because I think, I don't know if I've ever really seen a housewife truly not insert herself into any of the drama unless she absolutely had to. And that's what I feel like we saw during this reunion is that she would just really would not insert herself into any of it. And I, and I wonder if she'll even come back, like she just truly strikes me as someone who is just not a housewife and she does not feel fed or, you know, she's just not called to being a dramatic person on television at all. And so I wonder um, if she'll return. What do you think? I love that you asked this because it gives me validation because right when the season first started, I told Access Hollywood, I said, Jenna Lyons is going to be a one and done. I said, I don't see her as housewife material. Mm-hmm. I think she's going to be a little interesting and will be kind of like captivated by her, her quirks. Um, I don't think she's going to stay and continue to do it, nor do I think the audience is going to love her by the end of it. I mean, some people seem to still like her, but like, let's be clear. If anything, from that reunion and her most recent Watch What Happens Live appearance, Jenna Lyons does not give a fuck about Housewives. She's like, I am better than this. Like, why? Like, right. I just came on here to like, you know, shell my products and like give, give an opportunity. But like, she wants no part of it, you know? And I think even watching her on Watch What Happens Live, like you can kind of tell and Andy could kind of tell that like, she's not coming back. She's not going to BravoCon either, right? I don't think she's on the oh, line. Oh, I don't know. I haven't seen so, that. So yeah, I, I wow. think Jenna I mean, Lyons is a one and done. She can move on. She's not thirsty at all. And I think that her going on Housewives this year, maybe just like, you know, reinserted her back into the cultural zeitgeist in a way that's helpful for her businesses or just for her name and whatever, you know, she wants to do next. But yeah, I don't think she's, she's not thirsty for it. She doesn't want Really, I don't think any of this type of attention. I mean, she's already, yeah, she's already had popularity in the press. Um, She has money. She has a successful business. She really does not need it. I'm sure her team was like, listen, give it a try. It's a really great opportunity. They're trying to change what Housewives is. And, you know, that's the memo that Jenna got. But the Mm -hmm. other women, like, Cy didn't get that memo. Cy was like, let me be a housewife. Bryn was like, let me be a housewife. And so they brought that real Housewives element back Mm -hmm. to the show. And But listen, 
that's what it is. And that's what we tune in for. Everyone's always like, it's too toxic. It's too toxic. I'm like, when did we all get so sensitive? Because like season one and two and three of Beverly Hills, <laughs> like we had Kim Richards' alcoholism. We had Russell's, you know, uh, Russell and Taylor. And we had like so many, like the dynamics between the Richards sisters. Like it, Housewives has always been crazy insane and yeah a little toxic but we lived for yes. the drama and then we have shows you know that don't bring as much drama and we're like this is kind of boring and it's like well then just own that we love toxicity you know it's mm-hmm. like people love mcdonald's and mcdonald's isn't healthy for you no one's trying totally. to say hey mcdonald's let's make some healthy french fries no we accept it for what it is it's garbage <laughs> it's not super soul and i don't want no bethany frankel can take her reality <laughs> reckoning and go to sleep okay go to sleep because i'm over it you know and listen and she i just saw she just did the vanity fair article that finally dropped which i've heard about for months and didn't think that it was going to be anything exceptional from what i'd heard about it and then it drops and i'm like yeah that's nothing really exceptional you know the biggest thing is what leah mcsweeney you know doesn't like andy cohen <laughs> Wow. Oh my gosh. I, I Andy is going to be losing oh, yeah. sleep he's, over he's that. Really I'm sure. Him, yeah. He's like, Oh, Bethany and, and Leah don't like me. Oh, okay. Let me hide from BravoCon. <laughs> I haven't read. I dropped this morning, dropped right? This morning, As yeah. of this recording. So I haven't read it yet. I'm like, very excited. It's, not, to read a, it's it. not really anything new. Like I wouldn't be that excited to read it. Yeah. It's not really interesting. Do you think no. that a reckoning is here or do you think no, it's... No, I just interviewed no. Erica Jane okay. and I, we were talking about it and I was like, how do you feel about, you know, Bethany's reality reckoning? And you'll kind of see she, you know, when you watch it or if you, you listen to the audio, you'll, you'll catch that she, because obviously she and Bethany have had, you know, a history and she kind of gives Bethany props, but is also just very honest about like her experience. And I think a lot of current housewives, you know, have yeah. like in the Vanity Fair article, n- little bit of a spoiler alert there's one housewife that's a current housewife that um talks about her experience anonymously and she's goes on the record anonymously because and and the the writer writes that she doesn't want to lose the horrible job that she has or says something like that and i was like she goes on the record to talk about how horrible her job is but doesn't want to reveal her name because she doesn't want to lose her job even though it's so terrible like what how does this make any sense (laughs) right right can I talk to you about a product that you love, that Courtney loves, and that I love? Please. Early Bird CBD gummies are so phenomenal, everyone. They are the perfect 2.5 milligrams of THC and 12.5 milligrams of CBD. So this concoction, it gives you the warmest, gooeyest feeling. They have the magic formula. I love the watermelon flavor. That's my favorite. I also love using them when I know I need to get a good night's sleep and I can sleep in. You guys, we love Early Bird CBD so much. We reached out to them to see if they'd be interested in sponsoring the show because we were like, these products, these gummies, everyone needs to know about them. We're going to tell them about about them anyway. So maybe we can get paid to do it. And honestly, we just cannot recommend them enough. We have a link in our show notes. You can go to earlybirdcbd.com. Use code POPAPOLOGIST20 for 20% off. Earlybirdcbd.com, Pop Apologist 20 for 20% off. Do yourself a favor, try the gummies. They ship to all 50 states, everybody. You got to try it. Earlybirdcbd.com. Lauren, the wall behind you, it's quite barren. What's going on there? (laughs) You know what? I find getting things framed to be very stressful. And so I've just never done it. I don't basically have anything framed in my home. And it's sad for me. It's very sad, which is why we are so lucky to be sponsored by FrameBridge right now. Yes, I am so excited to correct this wrong in my life. What's so great about FrameBridge is for other people also intimidated by a gallery wall, if you go on their website, you can just very quickly, easily upload like five photos or whatever it is, and they will send you different dimensioned, cute frames, beautiful, sleek, modern, so you can just hang your gallery wall and it's good to go. They make it very easy on a layperson like yourself. Everyone, see why FrameBridge has been trusted to frame over 2 million pieces. Visit framebridge.com or a local FrameBridge store to get started and custom frame just about anything. That's framebridge.com. It's a little rich. I did see Bethany's Instagram post. And in the Instagram post, she was like, you know, basically throwing tons of shade on any 
reality star that didn't co-sign this coalition essentially and she was like you know some people are still addicted to the high addicted to what the show can do for their businesses and so they won't stand up for the truth and what's right that wasn't what she said verbatim but that was the tenor of what she was saying and i found that to be quite rich given that for bethany there's no yeah. there's nothing left to lose anymore right with this reality reckoning she's off reality television skinny girl has already sold to jim yeah. beam she's already made her money there's nothing to lose here there's everything to gain in terms of relevance, popularity, notoriety. And so I find it to just be really quite tone deaf and unself-aware for her to criticize current cast members for not, you know, signing on to their own severance she was agreements. one of the most ruthless reality stars at the beginning, right? Roni was one of the, the first mm -hmm. housewife shows. Um, at the very beginning, that's who she was. And listen, she said, okay, well, I didn't know how the game worked back then. I was just doing what the producers were encouraging. Okay, cool. You left the show. You had your talk show. Bombed. You had your spinoff show. Bombed. You sold your skinny girl. Cute, right? <laughs> then you come back. You come back and you're even worse than you were before. Now you know the game. You came mm -hmm. back to just be an awful, mm -hmm. terrible person because you thought it made great television. And it did. And we liked Bethany. She was very witty. She was cutthroat. Um, but like so many of the things that she tries to pride herself about now, I'm just like, you come from, like everything you're criticizing is everything that you were. And I don't see much evolution. You know, I don't see any real change in you because mm -hmm. you're kind of just being the same person that you've always been, but you're trying to change your tune to go against the network not because you care about a reality reckoning, but because you care about keeping yourself relevant. You know, you're a dog with a bone yeah. and you need to have something that you can cling on to. Like, go do something with Be Strong, right? Like, go make, like, be a useful part in, you know, yeah. have a useful contribution, which now makes me even, you know, question her motives with Be Strong. And was it really philanthropic or was it just to look good? You know, to have the optics of, of trying to look like a I good mean, person rather than be a good person. I feel like she loves to insert herself into, you know, this is a crisis type moments <laughs> to use her, her words, her slogan. And I think that, you know, whether she's attacking, you know, high end makeup or Bravo TV, <laughs> like she, she just remember, loves to be relevant. This wasn't that long ago, but do you remember when she went to TJ Maxx and gave that woman Consuela, wasn't that her name? She's like, Hey, Consuela, here's a bag of my used makeup that I want to give you. And the woman's like, oh, no, no, yes. we're not allowed to accept gifts. And she's like, it's okay. I'm Bethany Frankel, and I'm doing the reality reckoning. And I want you to know, she's like, I'm going to DM your boss. What's your DM? What's your boss's Instagram? I'm going to DM them right now, and I'm going to tell them I'm Bethany Frankel. And TJ Maxx is going to change their policies because I'm Bethany Frankel. I'm the greatest housewife ever. I have the number one podcast in the galaxy, and TJ Maxx is going to listen to me, even though I shit on the fact that they have fake Manolos. Like, she's delusional. <laughs> Oh my gosh. No, she's absolutely delusional. And also I will say that like her own actions just betray her priorities. Like Chandler, I talk about this a lot about, we fantasize about the day when we have, you know, tens and tens of millions of dollars. And we fantasize about the, the day when the curtains close, you know, on this chapter of our lives. And we're not necessarily just, you know, prostituting ourselves all over TikTok and Instagram with our thoughts on celebrities. When we, <laughs> I, I feel like, I just feel like if you become so rich and then you're like, now my next thing I want to do is create YouTube tutorials on makeup and TikTok. Like, I want to be an influencer. <laughs> I, I just think, okay, clearly you love the lights. You love being relevant. That's what's important to you because ultimately she has total freedom right now to do anything she wants. And she literally is... Yeah, slinging Maybelline on TikTok. Like influencers it's try baffling. to get beyond that space. They don't often get to that space and then yes, come back. Yes. Like, I just, it, like she totally reverted backwards. <laughs> she, like, but she's so stupid at it too. She's like, you yeah. don't need the bagel oh, recipes. She makes the best bagels in the whole world and, and she scrapes them out. Come for me. Cancel me, baby. I like cottage cheese. I'm like, shut up. Like, who cares? <laughs> like, do you do bagels or do you do Maybelline? <laughs> I don't, I don't know. She's just, she doesn't know what her niche is. She doesn't oh know my her gosh. angle. She's kind of just like doing whatever. She needs to stick to eating crab legs in hotel rooms and just do it quietly. <laughs> and to your point, honestly, the moment when she decided that she was going to humiliate the countess on the show and 
show that Tom was a cheater and she was going to have that moment with her skinny girl margarita bottle promoting her brand. It's like we saw exactly who Bethany Frankel was in that moment. And so if there's a reality reckoning, she should go down with the ship. Listen, she's the only one in that boat, her and Raquel. Great. Good for them. Like, okay, good luck, guys. (laughs) And this anonymous current housewife that doesn't want to lose her job. Oh my gosh, so funny. Okay, but back to the Roni reunion. I do want to get your thoughts on a few pieces of the drama. The first being when Aaron and Sai, you know, said vehemently that they were not implying that Pavit was going to Vietnam to cheat on Jessel. Like, you know, they just were shocked that that was what Jessel took away from that. Um, is there any universe in, in which that wasn't exactly See, what I they like were saying? I like Aaron and Cy because I feel like without them, the show would be boring, uh, like really boring. Um, I think Cy, mm. Aaron, and Jessel are the three that really held the show. Um, but I mean, come on, they're completely like, how do you like, just as Lisa Brennan would say, just own it. Just be like, listen, I made a joke and it kind of insinuated that I maybe didn't say your husband's cheating on you, but I kind of, you know, I threw a coin in that direction, hoped you'd, pe- the, the audience would follow, you know, which they were kind of implying that like, you know, right. whatever he was doing, it wasn't as innocent as, he wanted to make it out to be. And they also made the comments about how, you know, he liked that his wife let him do whatever he wants. And so they really kind of ran with that. And mm-hmm. no, they didn't directly say, I think Pavit is cheating on Jessel, but they definitely weren't not saying that. Oh, I mean, I think if they, I didn't think that they were throwing out a coin. I think they <laughs> threw out a pocket full of change in that direction because it seemed to me like they were hammering in on that constantly. And also, I mean, not to get super dark, but Chandler and I discussed this a little bit. We think that they were insinuating something like even more insidious than just cheating on Jessel. You know, people don't really like tend to go engage in sex tourism unless there's something they want to do that in the United States yeah. is difficult to figure out or whatever. And to me, it's, that was almost like, why is no one talking about yeah. that implication? It's funny you say that. I actually saw Pavit and Jessel on a podcast. I saw this on Twitter earlier and he brought that exact point up and he said, you know, that's the only thing you think about when you think about Vietnam or Thailand, you know, that's, that's an issue. You know, that's really interesting that that's what comes to mind. You know, those are beautiful Mm -hmm. countries and for many, many reasons. And so, so to have that be like what you associate it with is really sad. Yeah. Moving on to a little bit lighter, fair, more cheese adjacent drama. So Uba have many meltdowns this season and two specific ones that I want to get into. The first is Phonegate and Anguilla. And the second is over arriving at Jenna's house and seeing that cameras were there without being told. Do you feel like Uba is a person who responds with appropriate reactions to things that occur in her life? No, but I think it's because she's hiding a lot. You know, like, look at her boyfriend. She didn't want to expose that on the camera. So I think when somebody's trying very hard to conceal something or to hide something, that's when they have these outbursts is because, you know, they're lashing out because the, holding everything in is a little too challenging. So I think, you know, she, I, I like, I just, I thought that they were, you know, kind of unwarrant like what they took your phone for 45 minutes in a prank and like, that's your reality. Like it just, it felt a little too, um, strong of a reaction for what was happening in that moment uba multiple times throughout the reunion and the show like saw red i feel like when she was upset about something and none of the situations in my opinion were warranted that type of a reaction and and especially seeing her on the reunion months later you know after the show is aired to see her bring that same level of anger and i feel like she was just kind of on a war path and it felt like it was coming from a different place kim richards in amsterdam Iconic, right? But you're talking about her husband and you're insinuating and implying that there's something real dark mm-hmm. about your husband and you're about to put mm-hmm. it on camera for right. the whole world to see. So Lisa Rinna reacting like that and breaking the glass, that was a reaction, but it was because the stakes were a lot higher. Uba got upset because they didn't tell right. you that there were cameras and you're filming a reality show. Like, I'm sorry, the cameras are going to catch you without your makeup on. It's a reality show that you're not going to be fully glammed for every single scene that you film. And if you're going to somebody's house, here's the thing. If I'm on a reality show, if I'm going to somebody's house, I'm going to go as dressed as I would normally go one way or the other. If there are cameras there, sure. Maybe I'll do a little extra, but like right. for the most part, like don't show up and you know, looking like a ragamuffin, like Denise, you know? 
it was so funny because I didn't realize that that was what she was upset about. And when I first saw the scene, I was like, wow, it's the prettiest Uba's looked all season. She looks so fresh. She looks so young. Like there was something about her look during that scene specifically where I really thought she looked the best she had looked all season. So it was ironic to me. It was like a vanity concern. Also, I feel like her directing this anger towards Jenna just came across all wrong. Jenna was like trying to like up and down apologizing and I didn't even feel like she needed to you know, for saying I, you know, saw a side of Uba or I, you know, I experienced Uba hot and Uba was so mad about that. <laughs> and I just think she just looks so like venomous compared to, to Jenna who really didn't need to be apologizing as much as she was, but she was trying to diffuse, diffuse and Uba could not yeah, like Uba be diffused. Red towards Jenna. And I'm like, Jenna literally does not care. Like Jenna's like, I can't wait to go have dinner after this. Like, well, why are you fighting with me? <laughs> right. Yeah. And it was, I think it was that level of emotional reaction towards everything regardless of what the drama was and what was at hand that made me feel like okay this is a situation where uba really cannot control her tantrums or the way that she gets emotionally heated and reactionary like she says well don't confuse being aggressive with being assertive and it's like uh that's semantics to me what this really comes across as as verbally abusive the way that she will just unleash for what seems to be like no reason no, I agree. Uba hot is, I mean, that's why she has a hot sauce because she brings the heat every time. <laughs> no, absolutely. Absolutely. Anything else on New York, Chan, that you wanted to get into? Because I do want to get Zach's thoughts on some Beverly Hills. Yeah, really quick. Well, first first thing I want to say, last thing about Uba. Oh, Her yeah. Her boyfriend is hot. The Connecticut guy is totally hot. Like, mm-hmm. I was super, I'm very happy for her. I, you know, thanks for the slow burn of letting us, you know, wonder what he could be like. And yeah, he was definitely was worth the wait. The other thing I'm curious about this is pure speculation. Sai and Aaron, you know, spent the whole season sort of mean girling together. And, you know, it was clear that by the time they got to the reunion, you know, they'd sort of turned on each other and mm-hmm. that tensions were a brewing. And I wonder if they both come back if things will get even more intense between the two of them, I do wonder if there will be like, you know, it will come to a head. I know there's like rumors about size husband and, you know, there's some stuff there. And so I'm just curious what you both think if they will, you know, go at each other. Next oh, I'm season. sure they both, uh, anyone on the cast, they're the two that are, that are the hungriest for it. So I think they will definitely be going hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think we saw that basically they showed up to the reunion pissed off at each other because they saw that just in the way that they had been bitchy and mean girly to everyone else on the cast, they had also been that way behind each other's backs in confessionals to each other. And so that seemed to be why they showed up with all that hostility. So I think that, yeah, that we'll definitely see some Aaron Versailles next season. I want to also say, though, speaking about seeing Uba's boyfriend, I did find it also to be kind of strange that she was so protective, didn't even want people to know that she's dating him, let alone the state he lives in. Also, like she doesn't want people to know she's dating someone, but she's on a reality show about her life. Doesn't make any sense to me. And then she steps out on a red carpet with him. Anyway, curious if you guys have any hot takes on on that. No. They're not going to last. Really? Okay, Zach. Because he clearly one of them is very private. Either it's her or it's him. I think it's probably him. He doesn't want the attention. So the fact that this Mm -hmm. got so much attention, and it only, let's be clear, we wouldn't have really given a shit if we would have found out who he was on the show. It was the secrecy and then, you know, digging into it. And then we had, um, who is it, Daily Mail Australia that actually found photos from the Roni premiere party that he showed up at, but he Mm -hmm. didn't, he wasn't walking the red carpet. He didn't take any public photos. These were just kind of like blurry photos of the women um, that people ended up taking that night. And then eventually we dug up information on him. So I don't think he wants to be public. So now the fact that he is public and the fact that it made Mm -hmm. so many headlines and it was so big in the press, I don't think he's going to like that. And this lifestyle of being on a reality show, I think she really wants it. And I think he doesn't. um, And that just is going to come down to a compatibility issue. And I just don't see them lasting long term. I mean, it's also probably going to be an issue when he experiences Uba hot on screen, which he clearly Mm -hmm. probably has not experienced. I think she said she's flipped out on everyone she's been with except for him. So I I think your prediction is probably going to come true. Okay, speaking of 
breakdowns of relationships, dissolutions of loves, we really need to pivot towards Real Housewives of Beverly Hills because we have to what we thought were bastions of um, ardor and fidelity crumbling before us, first Kyle and Mauricio and second Dreet and PK. Let's start with Kyle and Mo. I guess. Chandler, Chandler I'm, I'm and wearing. I, I'm wearing black. I've been in mourning this whole time. We're devastated. We're devastated by this. You know, there were all the rumors about Mauricio over the years, but we like to turn a blind eye, perhaps similar <laughs> to Kyle, to them and really believe that he was a good guy. And so what do you think is the truth here? Do you think that this is a breakup for the cameras to create drama for the season? Do you think Mauricio is actually the philanderer he's rumored to be? And that's the cause of the tension between him and Kyle. What do you think is going on? Um, I don't think it's fake and I don't think it's for a storyline or for the cameras. I just don't. I I think okay. that they really listen. And like, this is what I think people forget is like, people do have real issues in their relationships. I think we're seeing it with Kyle and Mauricio. We're also seeing it with Dream and PK, especially when you've been on a reality show for as many years as each of them have. And they have their relationship on camera. And we, you know, we see things in their relationship and we comment on things about their relationship. And that makes it even more challenging for them, right? And I think um, with Kyle and Mauricio specifically, I don't think they ever had a very deep marriage. I think their relationship was always pretty surface. Um, oh my gosh. Which is why you see like Alison Dubois mm. tell her, I don't think he'll ever emotionally fulfill you. But when the kids are young mm-hmm. and you're busy and you're running around doing all these things and you kind of don't really have time to think about the fact that, you know, your husband's off working and he's trying to bring home, you know, the money while you're trying to take care of the kids. I think you kind of just fall into a, a pattern. And I think that's kind of where they were at. And maybe they had a pretty good, mm-hmm. you know, physical relationship, but I just don't think they ever had that deep emotional connection. Because even if you think about it, in all the years that we've seen them on Beverly Hills, we've never really seen them have conflict and you only have conflict if there's, you know, real mm. stakes there, right? And so I think now that Kyle's gotten older mm-hmm. and she's been on the show long enough, she sees her time on the show coming to an end. I don't think she's going to stay on for another 10 years. She's been on it long enough. She's been through it long enough. I would be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if she doesn't come back the next season just because after last season with Kathy and this season with Mauricio, I can see her being ready to move on with her life. She doesn't need the show anymore. Um, yeah. So I think she sees her time on the show ending. Daughters are all growing up and moving out of the house that, you know, she's given up alcohol. So she has a little bit more clarity. She's going through her, her metamorphosis right now. And she's realizing that like, Hey, my husband isn't around. He is always traveling. There are all these rumors about him flirting with other women and kind of being a bit of a philanderer. So I think she was just ready to move on. And that's why she decided to take a break from their marriage Mm -hmm. to see if, you know, let's see if we can figure out a way to come back together. And now we're starting to see that I don't think they're going to come back together after this. Lauren, as we made our descent into New York, you know, from our beloved Guana Island trip, Mm. I got excited thinking about coming home to like my more simple routine food, like my Mm. clean, simple eats protein powder. Yeah, I feel like it's such a good staple because the protein powder, if you blend it with ice and water, you got vanilla frosty, essentially, if you like the simply vanilla. If you get chocolate brownie powder, you've got a chocolate frosty. You could do the mint chocolate chip, you got a thin mint frosty, or you just dissolve it in milk or water, and that also strangely tastes really good like chocolate milk it's a super fast easy quick snack also i just love that the ingredients are clean they're grass-fed it's 20 grams of protein for 110 calories it is just the best protein powder out there everyone go to cleansimbleeats.com and use the promo code pop apologist for 10 percent off that's pop apologist for 10 percent off cleansimbleeats.com pop apologist for 10 percent off Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'll just say really quick. It was really when I saw, you know, the first scene of them together in when he she's, you know, showing him the tattoos he has, you know, missed somehow. 
there was such a hostility. There was such an anger. There was almost, there was almost like a seething anger from her, which leads me to believe that something happened where maybe she did subconsciously turn a blind eye to rumors because she didn't want to believe that anything was going on and she was a little bit in denial. But somehow he made a mistake where he fully got caught and then she could no longer hide what was clearly going on. There seemed to be like something led to this and she had a new emotion toward him and it wasn't, uh, you know, a newfound neutrality. It was like anger. I was curious if you felt the same way. Um, do I think that she's angry? Yeah, I mean, watching that scene was heartbreaking because you can tell he was not aware of the issues that were going on in their relationship. Like in his head, he's like, we're fine. I'm yeah. working. Mm-hmm. I'm busy. You know, maybe there was some sort of infidelity, mm-hmm. but maybe she didn't have as big of a reaction as he expected her to. Maybe they agreed to work through it. I don't know. But whatever it was, you can just tell that he was just like, he no longer recognized her in that moment. You know, he's like, you have five five tattoos. Like, Mm -hmm. you can't do that. And she's like, who are you to tell me I can't do that? I'm a grown woman, you know? And and I think he Mm -hmm. was taken aback by this version of Kyle that he's never met before because all she's ever been is the loving wife on his arm willing to support him through anything. I do think that it can happen where, or for women especially, they tend to, you know, put up with a lot. They put up with things that they don't necessarily want to put up with, whether it's because, you know, a guy brings something to the table lifestyle-wise, or they have kids together, whatever it is. But, you know, I don't, I remember which podcaster I heard say this. Someone said this recently though. So this idea didn't come from me, but just women can get to an age, especially in their fifties where they're like, you know what, I'm done. They just get pushed off the cliff. And once they're pushed off, it's over. And, you know, it comes as a huge surprise to their partner because the partner's like, whoa, I thought you were fine kind of putting up with all of this for so long. But then it's like a flip that gets switched and it cannot get reversed. And I think that's where they're at. I'm curious. So, Zach, do you think... Morgan Wade and her are romantically involved at all? Do you, I what do you think? No, I go back and forth, to be honest with you. I, I keep going back and forth with yeah. it. I'm like, uh, like, are they just friends? Are they scissor sisters? Like, it's so strange to me because yes. I just realized Morgan's 28 <laughs> and Kyle's like 53. I'm like, the age difference is so vast. Right. That, like, how are you, fr- mm-hmm. how are you this close of friends? with somebody this young to the point where you have matching tattoos and she had her matching right. tattoos when they filmed the reunion, which was what October she met Morgan in what August. So how is it that within a very short amount of time, we already have matching tattoos. Like they haven't even known each other. Right. For, or I think at this point it's only been about a year. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've gone back and forth. Like, the age difference is kind of weird. The fact that she's doing this documentary about Morgan is kind of weird. Like, nobody's lined up being like, yeah, let me watch a documentary about Morgan Wade. Like, who the fuck is Morgan Wade? Like, nobody cares. (laughs) Nobody knows. That, like, Netflix isn't picking that up. Like, nobody cares. It's, It's a love story. Let me just also state Lauren and and my bias. We find Morgan Wade, we're both straight as an arrow, but we find Morgan Wade to be so fucking sexy, both of us. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I, it's, we like are very into it. So I think both of us kind of <laughs> maybe hope it's romantic for our own just fantasies. <laughs> so, okay. This is another, you know, I need to add dimension to this revelation. Thank you, Chandler, for Zach. Yeah, but no problem. It, Zach, have you spent much time in the musical canon of Morgan yeah. Wade? Is it worth it? I just okay. know I'm going to make so you fall So it will fall stun and shock you. <laughs> okay, oh, that's the worst one. That's the only one I know. <laughs> She really is very good. Like she's actually, I think, very, very, very good. And anyway, Chandler and I are major now Morgan Wade music fans and like want to go to her concert. Morgan Wade heads. So Kyle's whole strategy has absolutely worked. (laughs) We're going to watch the documentary. We'll be at the premiere. (laughs) Can't wait to hear about it. Kyle might have found the emotional connection with Morgan that was missing in her marriage with Mauricio. And so I do find it really hard to believe that in reality, she's now batting for the other team. But I do think that there is the potential that maybe that's not even, you know, sex for her is not the priority right right now. It's making up for lost time in terms of, you know, feeling like she was in a relationship that did not have the depth. I agree. I think she has a deep emotional connection to Morgan and that's something she lacked in her marriage. Mm-hmm. I think too, if I could be an armchair psychologist for a moment, I think Kyle's upbringing was very tough 
And I think that Mauricio and her really had this amazing foundational family and it was stable. And there was just like that, the, the really like solid foundation and backdrop that maybe she always wanted, you know, that was where she found value and that's totally valid, you know, in their relationship. And so I wonder if, you know, now that everyone's fine, her kids have all grown up and you know now she can kind of have like, yeah, like you're saying, you know, the emotional connection yeah. and the passion that she always wanted. Mm-hmm. Let's get into Dorit and PK though, because Zach, I was listening to one of your most recent episodes. You're on Monday through Thursday, which is <laughs> astonishing. I cannot imagine well, four I episodes a week. Technically, so it's six episodes. To hear how you do that? I do Monday through Thursday, and then I have a bonus members only episode that I release on Fridays, and I tape uh, recaps for oh Spotify's The Ringer on Friday mornings. So I put out six. No filters only for Monday through Thursday, but I, I have two other pieces of content that I put out. So I do six episodes a week. Chandler and I are so <laughs> exhausted even oh, hearing about I'm, that. Um, so we I'm need up to at 4am every day. That. I'm at the gym by six <gasps> and we're taping by 830. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, well, you, you look amazing too. So I'm, yeah, I need the it's, whole, it's, it's lack the of whole regimen. Uh, it's very impressive. But okay, so when I was listening to your episode, you were saying that you basically thought that Dorit and PK, basically Dorit is kind of with PK for that lifestyle Mm -hmm. he can provide. And that maybe, you know, Beverly Beach wasn't the smash success that necessarily (laughs) we were led to believe. And that, you know, yeah, she she got with PK for a certain reason. And now those reasons are a little bit Erica Jane style coming undone. I mean, I saw on Twitter that allegedly PK owes $1 million to the state of California and back taxes. Jeez. There always have seemed to be shadow dealings when it comes to PK and his financial situation. So curious if maybe she's having her own moment where, you know, the juice isn't really worth the squeeze anymore of her marriage yeah, to PK. I think what it is, is when she married PK, it's very similar to Erica, right? There was a par- uh, power dynamic, you know, and he had the upper hand because he had the money. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, you put up with things mm-hmm. when the money's there and you're kind of like, well, my role isn't as important and my life is good and my lifestyle is good. So, it's you know, I'll excuse a couple of things because I, you know, I can't. Or I I should because, you know, he's the one that's providing for me. And so I think what happens with these women on the show, and I think what's happened with Dorit is PK probably never was able to fulfill her emotionally similar to Mauricio the way that, you know, she maybe really wants or maybe really needs, especially after the robbery. I think the robbery was a really big thing for them. I don't Mm -hmm. think she properly... Um, healed from that and I don't think he was enough of a, a solid support system mm-hmm. for her in that because also you know he's from he's British right he you know I just I feel like they tackle things they're very much like we don't need therapy we just push through it like you know he so he doesn't yeah. understand a lot of the, ex, the the trauma that she's facing because I think she at the beginning was kind of she took that on as like I'm tough I'm strong okay I'll go to a therapist I'll kind of just move on from this and she's realizing that it's not that easy to just move on from it and he doesn't know how to support her and I think that's a really mm-hmm. big thing for her and she's now realizing I think she's coming into her own and seeing like I don't need him. I don't need his money because now I have money. I'm on the show. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if I leave him or even if I leave the show, like the thing with the housewives, they're always going to have a career. Their name has become a brand at this point. They're always going to get Instagram endorsement deals. They can always do different shoe dazzle Mm -hmm. collaborations. Like they'll always find a way to continue to keep (laughs) themselves relevant and to keep their bills paid even after the show. And I think she just realizes I don't need him. Um, I stayed in this relationship because mm-hmm. I wanted to be with him and I think I loved him and maybe I do still love him and he, he's the father of my children, but I want more than what he's willing to provide for me. And I think she's ready to move on from that. I agree. And I also wonder if there was maybe a situation where, and this is completely alleged, this is just something I've read about, you know, on the interwebs, on the dark web, but people are saying that there's a conspiracy theory that PK he orchestrated the robbery in order to what? you know file an insurance claim. Yeah, so the idea is that he was intentionally in the UK, far away from it, and that so some wires got crossed and the the people came and Dorit was not supposed to be there. 
And so basically that is why he is kind of like unemotional when it comes to her PTSD because he, you know, knows that the danger was not as real as she perceived. And also there's a situation where he could have revealed to her that this was a, you know, an insurance fraud orchestrated situation. Um, And so she feels like, you know, she had to go through this very traumatic experience because of his, you know, financial issues. I anyway, that. wow. Any that I know, yeah, kind of no, a bomb I remember drop. hearing that. And <laughs> I, I actually I heard it and I want to say, I don't think it ever aired, but I want to say Sutton brought it up during filming, like questioned, it, mm-hmm. you know, how mm-hmm. real it was. Um, and I don't think that ended up airing on the show, but I remember hearing about that. Um, yeah, I mean, if that's true, I, I can, un- I think that that makes sense as to why he doesn't have as much empathy. He should probably go to Erica's therapist, you know, and, and learn a little bit more about empathy. Um, <laughs> but I think that would make a lot of sense, though, right? Because he knows that the, the threat and the danger wasn't really there. Mm-hmm. However, to her, that's not real. Like, to her, it was real because it was happening in that moment. Mm-hmm. Because you also think about it. Like, remember, they left the phone there for her. They had the phone in, in the security camera. You can see the phone flashing as if it was an emergency mode. So there were little things like that that, you know, I know a lot of people had a lot of questions about. Yeah. Have they ever caught the people who I orchestrated don't think it? so. Not... I yeah. think that with the amount of robberies that are go- yeah. that were going on in LA, the the bandwidth of the police is just yeah. legitimately yeah. not there. And I think that's why kind of it was a perfect opportunity of like, okay, instead of getting all of these bags on fashion file, let's do one insurance claim, get you know what, get some cash pretty quickly. I don't know. To me, it makes a lot of sense. Also, just given what robbers say, okay, we'll leave your phone. Like that also is worth $800 or $600 or whatever. That does not make any of I mean, these are the most polite robbers I've yeah. ever heard of. Finally on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, I just want to chat before we sign off about your interview with Erica Jane. I was listening to it a little bit this morning. I did not have time to listen to the whole thing, but I'm so excited to finish it because you guys are somehow best friends or she's like very comfortable with you. And she's like, Zach, I really am excited to be here. Like I, I you know, she appreciates your support so much. Can you please explain <laughs> your, you and Erica. Um, we're not best friends, but she, so, um, okay. and, and you'll hear this later in the interview. You'll kind of towards the end of it, get a little bit about more of our history and kind of the relationship that we've built because she even says in the interview too, she's, um, she's like, cause I, we've been trying to make the interview happen for since the scandal first broke, right? Because I've covered the Girardi mess of it all since the divorce was initially filed. And I was one of the few that was actually like going and reading all the legal documents and trying to Google all of these terms. And I was on the phone with attorneys. I was on the phone with reporters. I was on the phone with the victims and former clients of Girardi Keys, all off the record. And some of it I would use to share on the record. But, um, you know, I'm somebody that really just kind of took my time to understand all of the legalities of it. So a lot of people that listen to my podcast really wanted the interview to happen for a long time, as did I. But prior to her filing for divorce, I didn't know her personally. I didn't, um, you know, I wasn't an Erica Jane Stan who was like bopping to expensive mm-hmm. every weekend, you know. <laughs> so it through kind of my coverage of the case, eventually it kind of, you know, she I came onto her radar and she really respected the fact that I wasn't one of the the many podcasters or content creators that was coming out with the pitchfork ready to grill her. You know, I was always very clear in, Mm -hmm. you know, when I would talk about it and when I would talk about the show, I was like, there's a difference between her likability and her culpability. You don't have to like her behavior on the show, but culpable. Mm -hmm. She, Mm -hmm. I don't think she's culpable, right? She didn't work at the law firm. She doesn't have a law license. And this is what all the, this is what the, the law, like these are civil lawsuits. There are no criminal charges that have been filed, you know, and I would break down all the lawsuits and some of them were a bit frivolous. You know, they seemed ridiculous and and a little outlandish. And that's kind of just the thing. I think I'm just a little used to it here in L.A. is everybody will sue over everything and they'll make the accusation so much bigger and they'll ask for so much more money. And then eventually kind of fall somewhere in the middle with settling. Tale as old as time. Same thing with like Erica and Tom. She's the third wife. She was a lot younger. She's kind of the trophy wife that he would use to parade around. He's not coming home, you know, 
they're not, uh, you know, Chasen's eating steak and he's like, oh, today's dinner is paid for by the orphans and widows, honey. Like, he's not looping her into any of that. <laughs> right. So, you know, I right. was just yeah. always, I tried to always be very fair. You know, I didn't always love a lot of her behavior on the show, but I think when somebody is going through, you know, an experience like that, they're going to have those messy moments. I think if any of us were put in that position, we would also have those messy moments if we chose to stay on the show. She gets into, you know, in our interview, why she decided right. to stay into the show. But over the course of the last three years, sorry, not to ramble on, but over the course of the last three years, we've talked a lot more. We've gotten, uh, you know, a lot closer. I've supported her. She supported me. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful that we finally were able to to come together and get into everything. The marriage, the divorce, the earrings, the lawsuits, the tax returns. Because I'm like, listen, people are saying you signed the tax returns. The money was funded. Yeah. Your lifestyle was funded with this money. What is your reaction? Do you still wish you had the earrings? You know, we get into all of that. And we get into the housewife stuff and the Denise Richards and, you know, the new upcoming season and all that good stuff. Yeah, it's very unique to hear her speak in such an unguarded way. So everyone you're listening right now, please do yourself a favor and go check out this episode of No Filter with Zach Peter because yeah, it's such an interesting conversation what I've heard so far. So I'm super excited to, to finish did, the interview. Thank you. Congrats. That's a, we a major get. I didn't give her the list of questions. She didn't ask for the questions ahead of time. She didn't say anything was off limits. Wow. So we really just went in and just had oh a conversation. Gosh. And she really was with her guard down. And she's like, I'm glad that we were able to build our relationship. Yeah. And we took time. She's like, because if I would have done this interview earlier, amid a lot of the chaos, she's like, I wouldn't have been able to come in with my guard down. And I was a little nervous because I'm like, we're going to get into mm -hmm. the marriage. We're going to get into what your relationship with Tom was really like. And, you know, like we're people are fascinated by that, but we've never really talked to them. I was kind of afraid because then I just read a headline that morning that said that every time somebody asks about Tom, it's opening up a, a, a wound. And I'm like, oh, God, OK, well, get ready because we're going into surgery. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> 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 okay well everyone definitely needs to check out that episode zach thank you so much for coming on we've truly enjoyed it and we really appreciate thank you taking you. the time your seventh recording <laughs> this you. week <laughs> all right bye guys that's all for now folks don't forget, give us a five-star review. Hit us up on Instagram at Pop Apologists, and we will see you next week, live every Wednesday. Yeah.